Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thank you for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table. We are up to episode number 347, which means 350 is right around the corner. It seemed like just six months ago we were closing in on episode 300, and it seemed so exciting, but it just keeps going, and I keep getting better and better guests who share more and more advice for those of you who are either solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, people who work in a company as an intrapreneur, or just anybody who has that entrepreneurial spirit in their life. And it has been a lot of fun for me to be the host of this show over the years. I'll be honest, it's been like my my personal university. After interviewing now well over 300 people, I've learned a lot more than I ever bargained for. And that's awesome because uh, you got to keep learning in this world. You got to keep trying new things. And that's what this show is all about. So I'm going to jump in. Today, I have a great guest. I don't know her. We just talked for like a minute before we started uh, this interview, but I can already tell that not only is she really smart and she's done a lot of cool things as an entrepreneur, but she's got a great personality and she's going to get you fired up. So Stephanie, Stephanie Malik, welcome to Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. But wait, I got to tell everybody, she's wonderful, fabulous, and amazing. Welcome. It's all true. It's also very true. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. It's so nice of you to have me join. I really appreciate it. So, Stephanie, you started your career working for public companies in the Silicon Valley. You're kind of a techie, I guess. And, uh, you know, you were a very young director of a public company. Give everybody a little bit about your background. Where did you start and then where are you now? That sounds great, Tom. So, first of all, um, let me clear up any misnomers. I am the furthest thing from a techie, um, which caused a lot of problems in Silicon Valley, actually. Uh, My degree is actually behavioral studies and a minor in religion, so I am not techie. Um, I've always been a people person. I started off in many different roles of strategic alliances, high-tech partnerships, a lot of business development roles, and just kind of, like you said, grew up in the Silicon Valley. Um, I worked for many different technology companies, uh, I was on several different acquisition teams, um, helped several companies go public, and actually did global startups with several venture capital um, funding. And and then what did that lead you to? That led me to start Malico, which was a consulting technology firm. Which grew, because um, you, you had several people working for you in Malico. Yes, 538. That's, that's big for a consulting firm that you just started with your own last name on it. <laughs> Well, we didn't start out at 538. We started out with two. <laughs> so, yeah, so Malico started um, Malico started with two people, myself and a very dear friend, with a laptop and a thousand dollars. Nice. And essentially, what we did, Tom, is we decided we wanted to make consulting a little better and a little easier to swallow for not only the consultant but also the hiring company. Um, that that took a lot of a lot of a lot of time and a lot of effort and diligence in trying to figure out what consultants were looking for as well as what uh, companies were looking for. So you left that and you've gone into to something yet again that you've just started. So tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. Right, great. So the last three or four years at Malico, I was really kind of doing human consulting. Mm. Um, a lot of the C-suite would ask me if I could spend some time with maybe one of their directors or board of directors um, along with some of their VPs to find out 
you know, what they're struggling with. Maybe it was connection. Maybe their teams were not performing as they had hoped. Maybe they didn't have the persona or the presence that they were hoping to get. Um, maybe even some of the executives were looking to leave their current corporate position and start um, a successful entrepreneur venture um, after being in the corporate world for many, many years. And so I started getting pulled into many amazing meetings with either coaching executives or, <clears throat> excuse me, or also to uh, leading executives out of their current roles and into entrepreneurship. So that led me to formalize everything in November of last year and start Chic Speak and Stephanie.com. Nice. So what do you think it was that led you into becoming an entrepreneur? I mean, like you said, it's not what you majored in. You didn't see yourself as going that direction. You went to work for a big company right out of school. What, what do you think it was that led you to entrepreneurship? That's a great question, Tom. I think initially the thing that led me to entrepreneurship is is being fairly young um, and having a ton of idealism um, hmm. and just thinking I could always do it better or I could do it more empathetically or I could create some type of better um, environment or I could um, assist in leadership and thought leadership um, to really make people grow and be happy to come to work. And what have you found now that you, you know you built Malico and, and now you've left that behind and, and you're starting a brand new brand? What have you found that are the best parts of being that idealistic person who gets to carve your own path in the world? What are the best parts of entrepreneurship? For me, the best part of entrepreneurship is being able to build a brand that um, that speaks to a lot of commonality with other people who who want the same vision who want the same type of, um, of ownership within making the world a better place. So did you have examples in your family where either of your parents entrepreneurs? Because like I grew up, my, my dad worked for an insurance company and, and my mom was, was a stay-at-home mom until I was in middle school when she became a realtor. But I didn't really have parents who had sort of that entrepreneurial spirit going on. Again, interesting question. Um, my mom worked as a hospital administrator um, worked there for many, many, many years. And my father actually passed away when I was three. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, thank you. Um, but my grandparents who came here from another country, uh, were, were both entrepreneurs, mainly my grandfather, who was actually a builder and a developer. I wonder if it skips a generation because all my grandparents were kind of entrepreneurial as well. And so I, I see that in a lot of families where people say, no, my parents kind of had the corporate, the corporate ladder thing going on. But my grandfather, who was an immigrant, that's, that's like a really common, a common response. I wonder if anyone's ever done a study on entrepreneurship, if it, if it skips a generation. Like if your parents are like wild entrepreneurs, you're like, no way. I'm going to go get that administrator job. And if your parents are an administrator, you're like, I'm going to carve my own path in the world. Yeah, you know, and I could see it. I could actually argue it both ways because our parents, for the most part, had pensions and they had um, retirement and they had all of these great things that our generation, actually, sadly, really, by the time we were actually coming up, the pensions and the retirement and the profit sharing and all that kind of had gone by the wayside. So it wasn't as necessarily prevalent. So I could actually see that. So. Is there any part of entrepreneurship you don't like? Is there ever times where you think, you know, if I had stuck with those big public companies in the Silicon Valley, I could, you know, not have to deal with all this BS? I mean, I, you know, there are days where you get, you know, you're, it's definitely with, with entrepreneurship, it's not trading time for money. Um, and so a lot of times your efforts um, take a lot longer to actually become fruitful. <laughs> Tell me about and it. And so... <laughs> How's that for a very kind way of saying it? <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, instead of just 
you know, walking into the bank on, you know, every other Friday and having your direct deposit hit, um, you know, you could work with a client for two, three, four, five months and, and see absolutely nothing um, before you get any type of payoff or, or payout. So what advice do you have for somebody? The people who listen to my show typically are either in the early stages of entrepreneurship or they're still dreaming about it. What advice do you have for somebody who, who wants to go out and do their own thing? Start. <laughs> Tell me why. That's, that's, that's just, I think that if you start, you know, people want perfect when they start. People really want this gigantic strategy and this huge roadmap and they want to be able to kind of see their outcome at the very end. And your outcome is going to change five times before you get the company launched and off the ground. Um, I would say do it intentionally, do it wholeheartedly. Um, don't do it for um, kind of whatever those those schemes are called, Tom, those, you know, get rich quick or, you know, <laughs> check out my video and, and you know, you're going to be a millionaire. Um, those, those, those two actually come with so many problems. Just start, write your intentions down, create an amazing morning routine, surround yourself with absolutely awesome people that really care about you and that want to support you, whether that means, you know, cooking for your family for the month and a half until you can, you know, kind of get your, your feet wet and, and, and kind of just get going or, or, you know, be there for, to, you know, uh, bounce ideas off of and just kind of be a sounding board. Well, it's interesting because I had this conversation a couple of times this week. So I'm, I make my living as a professional speaker, and it's one of those things that it's like there's a lot of people out there who have courses that are like how to become rich as a professional speaker. And I know some of these people, and some of them have never made any money or very little money as a speaker. They make a lot of money selling their course to other people. And then I was at a podcaster's conference, and there's a lot of people whose podcasts don't make them any money who are selling courses on how to make money as a podcaster. And the money that they're making is from, here, I'll teach you how to have a podcast. It's like, well, maybe if you could make so much money off a podcast, why aren't you doing that? And so, you know, it's very interesting when you bring up that fact that there's people out there who say, hey, get rich quick. That's a, you know, it's not a fallacy. It does happen. I mean, there are people who sort of break out of the envelope. There are outliers in every industry. But I think no matter what you do for a living, and you know, you can agree with me or, or, or take this a different direction, but I think there's, for the most part, it's hard work and it takes a long time. And when we see most overnight successes, they've been working on it for 10 or 15 years. I, I totally agree with you. And actually, it's interesting that you bring this up right now. Um, right now, Tom, because one of my biggest struggles right now is obviously being an executive coach and entrepreneur coach. I really tend to go on outcomes. What is your outcome? What are you doing to get there every single day? And it's been frustrating. Um, first and foremost, it's been frustrating for a couple of reasons. First is um, I didn't have a gigantic online presence. When I built Malico, I built it with no LinkedIn and no Facebook and no every other platform that there is. Um, so when I, when I, when I, became the chairman of the board at Malico and started a new brand with, with Stephanie.com and, and chic speak. Um, I was significantly behind the, um, the curve, if you will, with online presence. I didn't have a giant online presence. My Facebook was really kind of where I upload pictures of my kids and friends and that kind of a thing. And, <laughs> and it was, I really went to it maybe one or two times a week. Um, one of the things I kept consistently running into were these 23, 24, 25, your old coaches, life coaches, strategy coaches. Um, I, and I, I, was, I don't know how old you are, but I'm 51, and I like it when a 23-year-old wants to coach me on life. Well, well I didn't say it wasn't entertaining. I did not say that. <laughs> um, but but one of my key philosophies, you know, without going into into you know deep detail about that. First of all, I think it's absolutely amazing 
that these people, that these, these, um, young ones have so much initiative to not go the corporate route and they're going to go yes. make this life. And that's, that's awesome. Awesome. I wish I had right. had the guts and the gumption to do that. So I, I do applaud Absolutely. that. I'm totally with you on that. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I, I literally am in awe. Like, I'm just like, wow, you graduate from college, you start working for six months and you're like, this is not for me. I'm going to go be a life coach. I would have just never had the nerve to go do something. Like <laughs> well, there also so, weren't, there also weren't examples of it more than, you know, 10 that's or 15 true. years ago. That's true. Um, but the way that I kind of coach people and the way my philosophy is a little different is, um, I like people to coach me who have failed so many times. Oh, well then um, I could totally be your coach. I should, <laughs> <laughs> I could be your mentor, Stephanie. <laughs> Let's talk right after this. I think we need one. <laughs> so yeah, so I, I really, really feel deeply that, that you have need, you need to have failed so many different times, um, with different models in business, you know, with, with online business or, or, you know, just being an executive or, you know, recruiting your own team or talent acquisition or retaining talent, whatever it happens to be, Tom, I just really feel like you need to have blown it um, several different ways and several different times to be able to actually coach people through that to not make the same choices, decisions, whatever it happens to be that you did. Well, so um, many of the entrepreneurs who come on this show give me the advice that you, you have to have failed. Because if you've never failed, you're not going to know how to handle it when it comes. And if you haven't had – and I tell this to people who want to be professional speakers. I say, have you ever bombed really bad on stage? And I have people go, oh, no, I never have. Since the beginning of time, I was giving speeches in my third grade class that were getting standing ovations. And my theory is <laughs> you're either a liar or it's coming because we've all had – even if it's not a bomb, we've all had days where we walk off the stage thinking, I, I didn't deliver my best. And and any, and like I talk to meeting planners and they go, oh, speakers never say that. Like they don't want to hire me because I've admitted I've had a bad day. And I'm like, yeah, it's coming. You want them to happen on your stage? Because it's a lot less likely it's going to happen to me now that I've been through it. Uh, so I, I, I agree with you what you're saying about being able to fail. And you know one of the big things in Silicon Valley, they say fail fast. It's okay you know, the venture capitalists say it's okay if I've given you millions of dollars. If you realize you're barking down, you know, at the wrong tree, switch trees before you run out of money and, you know, fail fast and pivot. So it's, I, I think that's really important. Yeah, I love that. Fail fast and pivot. I, I actually, that, I, I love that. And I feel like it could be the most amazing motivational speaker, not ever. Um, <laughs> but I did pass out in front of 3,000 people at an Oracle event. While speaking? Yes, while speaking. No way. No, we're, we're not, we're not going to let you off the hook. On this show, nobody drops that and doesn't tell the story. What happened? <laughs> Don't pass out. Just tell me what happened. So I, I can't even talk about it. I get anxiety <laughs> just talking about it. So I was presenting um, a presentation, by the way, that I had presented at least 20 times. I knew the information backwards and forwards. Um, I was the quote-unquote go-to presenter. Um, I, I knew it. I knew to ha how to handle questions. Um, I was actually working for a company that was right in the middle of, uh, of an IPO. Um, and they said, Hey Steph, there's this Oracle event. You know, it's, it's really, really great. And we want you to go talk to these executives. I said, no problem. And I will never forget this, Tom, as long as I live slide four, I'm presenting it with my little cute little clicker <laughs> present, present, present. And all of a sudden I started to get like this very weird taste in my mouth and I started feeling very hot. And I was like talking to myself was in the middle walking back and forth in the stage. And I said, no, 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 no. You're not passing out. This is not going <laughs> to happen. Gonna, this will just be really seal the deal on your amazing career that you're not having. <laughs> so I kept walking back and forth and I walked over to the stage and apparently the stage hand actually told me, she said that my lips were kind of, I was losing color. Oh my and gosh. I guess 
in my little headset, I said, please excuse me. I think I'm going to pass out. Wow. So I gave fair warning. <laughs> well, there you go. Well, that's, you know, the, those are the stories that greatness is built out of as far as I'm concerned. So thank you. Thank you for sharing that. But I, I mean, I've given over 700 presentations. I've never, I've never passed out. But somebody asked me, oh, well, you never get, said to me, you never get nervous. And I'm like, that's not true. I still, I still get nervous. The other day I was asked on the spot to do a two-minute little quip, like pitch type thing. And I'm a real big believer in you stick to time no matter what. I don't believe in going over time. And I went like two minutes and five seconds, but the guy was cutting me off at the five seconds and I was done anyway. But I knew better than to go long and I have beaten myself up for it for two days, even though it was only five seconds. I still was like, God, I, I, there was a countdown clock. I knew, I know how to tell a story. I could have tightened that by five seconds. And, you know, so I still get nervous and I still have learning, you know, learning curve things happen. And I did a TEDx talk uh, about six weeks ago and I, I only had three weeks notice. I think I was a filler inner and, uh, I, I got really nervous. And just before I went on stage, I was afraid I was going to forget my speech and I decided to throw it out and just go for my heart. And I think that was the right thing to do. But, you know, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, if you're, if you're new to it or, or anything. Everybody's got a story about being on stage and having something happen. You might be the only person I know who's passed out, though. So you get, you get that award. Thank you for the special one. I usually get the special award. <laughs> <laughs> so because you're a success coach, and I think that's fantastic because I think we all need more guidance to be able to find success. One of the questions I like to ask people who come onto the show, I, I talk a lot in the speeches I give about what I call the paradox of potential because I believe a lot of us have more potential than we're living up to in our careers. And there is this gap that exists between someone's career potential and the results they're actually getting. And what do you think it is that holds people back? And then what can do, people do to get farther across that gap? That's a great question. And, and I wish I had a, a, a crazy, eloquent um, syntax for you. And I really don't. Um, what I have found that people are most fearful of is just the standard, I'm afraid of failing. And failing looks different to a lot of different people. Um, I'm afraid of failing might mean I can't part with my current income right now because I have a mortgage and kids in school. Um, failing might be everybody around me has been so very successful in entrepreneurship and I don't want to be the one in my peer group that, that doesn't fail. Um, failing could look like I don't believe I have the expertise or knowledge to actually be able to go out and do it well. So what I have found, just like success is defined so differently for everyone, I believe that failing um, has been defined so differently for everyone. But I believe that that's the number one thing I encounter um, daily in my strategy calls and coaching, you know, the executives that I coach and the entrepreneur, uh, entrepreneurs that I coach, it's always the same thing. They're afraid of failing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's fear of failing. It's fear of a lot of things, actually. I mean, I think it's, I think failing is, is one sub, sub slice of this whole, you know, fear fear thing. And it holds us back from so many things. And, and I've talked about it in the last couple of episodes of the show because it's still kind of new to me. And I didn't realize how excited other people would be that I did this. But when I was 20 something, I, I always wanted to, I didn't expect I'd be a comic, but I always wanted to go do an open mic night. And I used to talk about it a lot like that'd be kind of fun. And I had a friend, Joe, who was always encouraging me to go and do open mic night. And I, ne I never would do it because I was scared. You know, I was afraid I'd suck. And, you know, life comes on and things go the other way. And, and recently I've done it. I've done it now like six times in like a month. And, you know, again, Seinfeld's not worried about job security. But, <laughs> but now that I've gotten out and actually done several open mic nights, all of a sudden I'm like, well, why was I so scared? A lot of people are doing it for the first time and, and they're not prepped and they're not that great. And even the great comics are there trying new material 
and they're not great because they're trying to figure out the timing of some joke. And so now all of a sudden I want to keep doing it. I want to do it more just because it's kind of fun. And it's, it, I love the fact that it's something I was scared of for 25 years. And then boom, I did it like, you know, six times in three weeks. That's how I feel about podcasts, Tom. <laughs> how many have you been on? This is number five. Awesome. Um, but it's interesting because I have, I have actually, Britta updated me today, and I have over 90 requests. Um, but I'm doing them very, very um, intentionally and picking the ones that invite me to come on. I'm actually really listening to four or five, six of their podcasts and making sure that we align and that our messages align and Somebody who's got to be very funny to keep me kind of on my toes because I get very nervous very quickly. Well, you don't seem you don't seem nervous at all, and I'm honored to be in that in that first ten podcasts that you're on. And uh, you know, I, you're just going to get better because you're doing great. So I got a couple more questions for you. I'm not going to let you go great. quite yet. Thank you. But first, I got I got to thank the sponsor of this episode. So this episode is brought to you by Podfly Productions. Podfly takes the time and the headache out of creating your own podcast. That's your next step, Stephanie. Is creating your own podcast. Podfly is going to set you up with all the right equipment, the training, and the guidance to ensure that you sound amazing, and they do all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that you can focus on creating great content, growing your audience, and interviewing really cool guests like I am right now with Stephanie Malik. Hey, if you want to start a podcast out there, and I know some of you do because you write me about it, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. So, Stephanie, I call the show Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. What is the coolest thing that you're doing with your business right now? Well, I am actually launching a new brand. I know that sounds ridiculous because of launching the old brand was only six months ago. Nice. Fail but, fast and pivot. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I haven't failed. It's actually very, very successful. Then just pivot. So what's going? <laughs> just pivot. No more feeling. Just pivot. So I'm pivoting into just doing... Um, Stephanie.com and having the Stoic EQ, which is our 100% male brand. Um, male executives and male entrepreneurs be, uh, face much different, um, much different kind of growth issues um, or knowledge issues or just actually connection issues. So the Stoic EQ is really 100% focused on um, kind of men relationships and how they relate to other people, meaning business colleagues, um, home life. Um, sporting, whatever it happens to be, but it's 100% featured and focused on men. Awesome. Well, as a man, I think that's awesome that you're doing that because men do face different issues and almost I feel sometimes like we're not allowed to talk about that in society. Well, that might be, but I get everybody talking about it, which <laughs> kind of creates a little bit of pe little uncomfortable, you know, little uncomfortable measures. And then it, people kind of just really start getting into the conversation and really feel very, very valued after we have that conversation. That's awesome. And then the women's side is? The women's side is more on um, the chic executive. So, for example, <clears throat> a lot of the same things, connecting, connecting with your team, performance, Maybe you would like to rebrand. Maybe you've been in the same career 15 or 20 years and you'd like to add new skills or new knowledge um, around what you want to do. Um, for female entrepreneurs, it's really launching the business, making it successful and sustainable. Um, people get really hyped around the launch. Um, females tend to, it's, I kind of, you know what I do, Tom? I kind of, um, I, I align this a lot with planning a wedding. Um, where you get so excited to plan the wedding and every single detail has to be absolutely perfect. And you spend all of your time for a year planning this most 
you know, amazing venue and amazing, every detail is done. And then you kind of forget that you actually have to live with that person forever <laughs> after the wedding. <laughs> oh yeah. And so, oh, that. <laughs> so, um, so it's really kind of focusing on trajectory in your, in your business, um, looking at different, uh, revenue streams and revenue models. How are you currently handling it? Are your revenues flat? Have you, have you launched? Um, and then just, you know, how to, how to handle sensitive situations, um, making sure that you're coming across, um, very professionally and that you're coming across, um, very intentionally, um, with, you know, with great, um, communication and great content for your, for your future clients. I think that sounds great. So I love to ask everyone who comes on the show, cause we could just talk about Stephanie all day long, but I think entrepreneurs, I think they're observers. So I love to ask people when you look out into the entrepreneurial sphere, who do you see out there that you say, hmm, he or she, they're crushing it. They're very cool. That's an amazing question. There's so many people to list, but really my newest one is Chris Worth. Oh, okay. Tell me why. <laughs> I know I know Chris Worth. Tell me why. I, you know, he just does it differently. Um, he does it with empathy. He does it with intention. Um, he does it. He shows up. I just feel like he um, really adds value before he asks for anything back. Um, I just feel like he's a guiding light. I feel like he's, he's a great mentor. I feel like he's a great coach. Um, more than anything, I feel like he takes time, um, to actually understand, uh, you know, what is, what is, um, what his audience is looking for. Um, I think he's just a great analogy of pivoting and I, and, and just showing up and serving his community. And he was a great guest on Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. So you can go back. I don't know what episode. I don't have it handy. But if uh, you want to find out more about Chris Worth, you can uh, search him on my site and his name should pop up at some point. So the last question I ask everybody is I think entrepreneurs have to do more than just make money. I think we have to leave a mark somehow. So what do you do to give back to the greater good? I spend a lot of time in pro bono work. Um, I spend a lot of time um, going uh, to schools, underprivileged schools, and um, telling, talking to, to younger kids about my journey and my story, and giving, trying to give them hope and, and align them for the future. Um, trying to speak to them about really doing what they care about, what is passionate for them, and not really um, aligning so much with their parents or, or meaning align, you know, doing what their parents want them to do or what they've set out for them to do. <laughs> um, I give a lot back in mental illness. Um, my mother was mentally ill. And I spent a lot of time in <clears throat> getting with different doctors and discussing different treatments. And then also, too, mentoring and coaching the different doctors into how to deliver more effective communication to their parents, I'm sorry, to their clients and to their, uh, to their patients' families. Nice. That is so good that both of those things are things that are close to your heart and you find a way to give back to that. And I, I certainly don't don't mean to belittle the, the the latter one, but I have to go back to the first one where you talk to, you know, young younger kids about you know how to go their own way. My daughter, who was sixteen last year when she was fifteen, she gave a TED talk, a TEDx talk, called "Go Your Own Way," and it was all about don't do what your parents, your teachers, and your peers tell you to do. Figure out your own passion. And uh, if you want to check that out, you can check that out at TomSinger.com/slash. Kate Singer, all one word, no dash, or anything like that. I've got a link uh, set up directly to her TEDx talk. So uh, when you said that, I thought, oh, you've got to watch what Kate had to say. That sounds great. I would love to do that. Yeah, no, and it's, it's only nine minutes long. And, you know, as a parent, you think, why did I let her do this? She's, what if she fails and all this? And she just rocked it out of the park. 
So. That is great. And you know what, though, Tom? Even if she would have failed, it still would have been a giant success because she actually did it. She, and she would have she would have learned and, and, you know, there would have been something out of it where she could have grown. But but she really did pull it out. And so I like to tell people, just check it out. That's why I set up a link that was easy to remember. Just TomSinger.com slash Kate Singer and check out her her little TEDx talk. Mine, I, I did one after her. Of course, she's the trendsetter. But uh, mine hasn't posted yet, so I don't know. I don't know when my video will be ready. But uh, I just really loved having you on the show, and the fact that you're doing a bunch of podcasts, and I was one of the first few. That makes me really, really happy. And if there's anything I can do to help you prepare for these other shows, I'm, I'm jealous that some other people are going to have you as the guest after you've done like 50 of these. In fact, there's a standing invitation after you've done 50 podcasts for you to come back because you were so great for your fifth try. I imagine at 50, you're going to be like the rockin' guest. Oh, Tom, you are so sweet. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And I really just feel honored that you um, allowed me to come on your show and, and be a part of your audience. Oh, and I can't um, wait to see we, what happens with Stephanie.com. Now, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you? I know as you launch Stephanie.com, Stephanie is spelled a little different. So how does one find Stephanie Malik? If someone's listening saying, I have to know this woman, how do they find you? So it's Stephanie. It's S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E.com. Um, And we actually created a special uh, offer for your audience. Oh, great. So it's going to be launching um, in the next day or so. And it's going to be stephanie.com. So S-T-E-P-H-Y-N-I-E.com forward slash Tom. Oh, excellent. T-H-O-M, I I assume. Yes, yes, that is correct. <laughs> we wouldn't want to misspell it and then nobody can find it. So that would be bad. No, between your name and my name, nobody gonna, would ever find it. I was just going to say, that's, that's, that's a tough one between the two of us. Nobody would know where to locate us at all. So Stephanie Malik, thank you so much for pulling your chair up to the cool kids table and sharing your journey with us. Uh, I'm going to make a prediction that there's going to be huge things in the future for you and for Stephanie.com. sounds like awesome things are happening and they're all pretty cool. So uh, everybody who listened and tuned in, as I say it every time, if it wasn't for the audience, we wouldn't have a show. Thank you so much for tuning in. And please check us out on Facebook, Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. You can find us on Twitter at Cool Podcast. You can always leave a review on iTunes. Five-star reviews make me so happy. Would you please just go do that for me? Thank you. And then finally, in the last couple of weeks, I've had a bunch of people reaching out to me, finding out how not to become a full-time professional speaker, but how can they, if they're you know doing something cool in their business, how can they get paid? So I'm working on putting together some sort of an inexpensive, totally affordable coaching program for people who want to learn more about the paid side of speaking. So if you're interested in that, I don't even have a website for it yet. I'm doing a pilot program. Email me at Tom, T-H-O-M, at TomSinger.com, and uh, it's not going to be expensive, and I will teach you everything I've learned in nine years as a professional speaker. So that there you have it. Hey, we're going to be back in a couple of days with somebody just as cool as Stephanie. I know you're thinking that's impossible, but we'll find him. But in the meantime, I challenge you, go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.